From Independence Hall, on the campus of the National Guard Professional Education Center, this is the Leadership Minutes. Our guest for today's podcast is Colonel Kerry Perez, commander of the 36th Sustainment Brigade, Texas Army National Guard. I'm Sergeant First Class Jim Houston. Hosting today's podcast is the commander of the Professional Education Center, Colonel Leland Blanchard. I would like to welcome everyone to today's episode of our uh, PEC podcast, uh, where we take the opportunity to talk to uh, leaders at all levels and people who have interesting things to provide, insights. Uh, and so we're just going to jump right in. Today, uh, we are fortunate to be joined by Colonel Kerry Perez. Uh, now, Colonel Perez, you and I go back a little ways, so we, we've known yeah. each other for a while. Uh, and, and as we were talking earlier, uh, kind of laying out your, your two jobs and uh, you know all the free time that is on your hands. <laughs> uh, so, so as a brigade commander and simultaneously the chief of staff, uh, why don't you tell us a little bit, start off by telling us a little bit about yourself and what you do. What does that mean to everybody? Sure, sure. So I'm the 36th Sustainment Brigade Commander in the, the great state of Texas. Um, so what I have there from that perspective is I have about, uh, about 1,800 soldiers, um, mostly sustainers, some medical capabilities. And uh, what we do is we plan and, uh, and, and support theater uh, level operations, um, which is really exciting to me. So I've had a background of being at the tactical level of logistics all my career. So this this jump to uh, the Sustainment Brigade Command has been a, has been a big one for me and a, a little bit more eye-opening because uh, you don't understand theater theater support and theater sustainment until you actually have to have to do it and lead a staff through that. So you're responsible for making sure it happens. It, I am. <laughs> I am. Yeah. And it's a it's a um, so we so we support things like CENTCOM, like geographic combatant commands um, with our sustainment brigades. Um, so we're, we we um, are aligned to right now 36th Infantry Division um, informally. We will be formally aligned with the Division Sustainment Brigades here soon. So really excited about that as well. Um, and I, I get to lead uh, now at Brigade Command. I get to lead managers um, as opposed to company commanders. And I'll talk a little bit about that in, in a in a few. Um, but I'll. Um, the other job that I have, and I've been very fortunate in the state of Texas um, to have gotten some broadening um, opportunities as the division chief of staff for a little while, and now I'm the uh, the chief of the joint staff uh, in the Texas military department. Uh, that is a, a huge responsibility, so really working for the adjutant general, making sure that all of the Texas military department needs are met. And through this past you know, 12 to 16 months, um, been very busy on um, emerging uh, short-term requirements from the from. You know, the, I'm not sure if 12 to 16 <laughs> months qualifies as short-term, but in in, in today's in, in world. today's world, right? <laughs> so we've been we've been supporting um, the disc operations um, from uh, COVID mobile testing teams to uh, civil disturbance um, operations at the state. Uh, the uh, the state capitol, historic sites, and um, landmarks of interest around the state um, in the in the June uh, 2020 timeframe. Um, we have uh, we've now transitioned from testing teams to mobile vaccination teams, sure. um, and so we're we're in the we're in the thick of that as well. We also support the governor and anything else that he needs from. Uh, from border support or most recently in Texas, 
the winter weather event that we had, and I yes. got to uh, I got to be the task force storm commander in addition to my two other roles. So they, they decided wearing two hats every day. Every was day not was enough. not enough, okay. right? And so I think my, um, while my, I have a unique um, position, right, in all of my positions, however, uh, from a from a larger perspective, maybe active component or Title Ten perspective, but what I would say is in the states, this is this is par for the course. O yeah. sixes in the states are expected, especially AGR O sixes, be more specific, are expected to wear dual rules, and uh, so we don't we we don't uh, get AGR authorizations from the Army to be commanders. Uh, so we have to be something else for the state that impacts readiness uh, while we're while we're taking that responsibility for for a command and for the soldiers. So um, that's it, you know, and just uh, just to expand a little bit more about me, as I, I've been on active component, I've been an MDA officer, and I've been a, a Title 32 AGR, and I am a Title 10 AGR as well. I'm managed by the Title 10. Uh, you 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 are continuing to add <laughs> things to your plate. I mean, how big is that plate? And, and seriously, right. And so, and I know you're going to talk a little bit about this, but I think it it it's one of those things that I think when you are a junior leader, perhaps because you're, you're trying to get your career started mm -hmm. and you're trying to set up your family and, and you've got all these things going on and they don't, they don't necessarily see you. You're, you're the Colonel, right? So right. they don't realize you're also balancing all of these right. things. Right. You've got a family. You, you right. know, and of course your husband is right. Uh, right. You know, so, also engaged with, yes, with a lot of things. So, so from my, my, what I, I will tell you, so, so why I'm in a, a dual military uh, household uh, with, a blended family, uh, which makes things even more fun, um, and an eleven-year-old uh, that that um, that lives with us. So, so how do we balance that? Um, balancing um, mobilizations, bo balancing PCS moves. We've, I've moved my daughter back and forth between Austin and DC for for Title Ten requirements, and then to come back to be a battalion commander, and now to be a brigade commander. And so, how do I keep her resilient? How do I be that mom? But fulfill everything professionally, and uh, I'll tell you, I really, um, I'm very fortunate in the fact that I do have a a, a a partner who understands what I'm going through because he's a Title Ten AGR as well, and he's wearing three hats. So he is the he is a, a, a battalion commander. He is a brigade OIC full time, and he's also the task force capital commander there for the civil disturbance, the continuing civil disturbance presence that we have there in the at the at the Austin Capitol. So we um, so we're we're just used to, and I and uh, what I try to tell people um, from the active component is this is what we do. We, we, we don't just have one job. And oh, on top of that, my husband's doing DL War College, that's right. which, is what I, which is what we were expected to do, which, you know, which is what the, that's just the expectation for us. And so we don't say it's too hard. I think we're unique in the Army National Guard is that we just go, okay, what else do we have to do? And how do I manage my day? How do I manage my battle rhythm? So I think we are, you know, from a planning predictability perspective, we do a, a a a pretty good job, you know, barring the past few few months, <laughs> of 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 having that predictability for our soldiers, for our officers, of you know, here's all the stuff that's going to be on your plate, and here's what your career may look like. Um, but if if you know, 
you know, we all wanted to go to resident war college and not have to do it DL. That would have been exceptional for all of us, but that's just not the case, and that's not where the resources come. So how? And that's do you not always what the organization needs, that's right? Because absolutely true. as you you know, you're wearing all those hats because all those things mm -hmm. are required. Mm -hmm. Of, of an organization that has a dual purpose, right? Mm -hmm. We're both serving our communities and the nation. And and so just as a guardsman, you're mm -hmm. always going to have those mm -hmm. things. Uh, so, wow, God bless you. <laughs> so, I mean, it's it's fun. My days go pretty pretty fast and time goes pretty fast. So, um, and, and I'll just, you know, kind of take it to, to another level as well to, to kind of speak to one young officers with maybe like a, a the the start of a family um but also um women so we're very fortunate in in texas the army national guard in each state is representative of the demographics in each state so in texas we are very fortunate to have a very diverse um army national guard and texas military department as a whole um, and one which um, lends itself to several females, several minority um, demographics in there. And so uh, what, I, what I would tell you from the, the, the current environments is that, you know, um, as, a, as a female, what, what, um, what is incumbent upon me as a, as, a, as a female, as a leader, is to make sure that I'm looking down and bringing up officers behind me of all uh, demographics and, 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 you know, and making sure our organization stays uh, diverse, not only from a, you know, the physical, the, the gender, race, ethnicity, but also from the thoughts, the socioeconomic, and then um, from a leadership perspective, then the, what does that mean to me? It means that I have to know my, for, know my force right. and then be able to talk to my force. My, not every uh, company commander is the same. And so, you know, kind of going off on, an, on another leadership uh, perspective is that between the battalion and brigade levels, um, there is a significant difference in, in um, you know, how I've perceived it, how it's impacted me. Um, as a battalion commander, it was a lot of fun. I got to be down in the trenches going, I was sleeping out in the field with the-, the best with job the, ever. It's the best job ever because one, everybody's, everybody listens to you. You're not a captain. And you get to know, but yeah. you personally yes. know every everybody. single person in your formation. You get As that opportunity. You do. And you, yeah, I knew all my lieutenants. I got That's to right. mentor them on a regular basis and counsel them. And I knew all my company commanders, my command teams, and I was, you know, engaged with them so much. Uh, as a brigade commander, um, I would offer it as a, as a much different role. Um, one, administratively, I no longer get to send things to brigade. So right. I have to deal right. with, I'm the decider on, yeah. on so many administrative things. And then it is very difficult, it's a struggle. And in Texas, we, we have a kind of a mantra through the past years, you've got to fight to train because things will get in your way and COVID and everything, things will get in your way and you have to fight to train. But, you know, I also have to fight to counsel and fight to get to my people because as a brigade commander and as an 06 at the state, you get pulled for a lot of things. Your job is to look up and out and provide guidance to those managers, to those battalion commanders, right? Not, not necessarily interacting with them like you interacted with your captains as you were counseling them as a junior officer. I'm leading managers now. So that's a much different role than what, um, than what it was as a battalion commander. And it took me a kind of a couple months to have that 
realization of the of the roles, the difference in the roles and responsibilities. What's interesting about that is, so as you move up and you have, so now you have experiences of battalion command, right? So you went through mm-hmm. the trials and tribulations and all the things. So the value of your time uh, when you have that time to sit down and mm-hmm. invest it in your subordinates and kind of guide them, mentor, counsel, but it's more limited. Mm-hmm. It's more limited than ever, but the impact that you can mm-hmm. have is even greater. Mm-hmm. And it's that, again, it's as you, I think you put it perfect. You got to fight to do that mm-hmm. because that's what we got to be about mm-hmm. is the next generation and, and letting mm-hmm. those junior leaders get get access to all mm-hmm. of your experiences so they don't have to suffer through. Absolutely. Not that you made any mistakes, but anyone well, who served in my battalion and my squadron, <laughs> you know, I made a few. <laughs> no, that's a that no, that's a that's a good point, and you know, just and we and and we wouldn't be living the people first, yeah, if we weren't. If, if, if that wasn't the case. And so I find myself saying this a lot and I hate when, I really don't like when people say this to me is like, ma'am, I know you're really busy, but I just, I'm never too busy for my people. But I find myself saying that to general officers sometimes. Right. I say, I know you're really busy. And they go, I'm not busy. You know, I'm not, and that's how I feel about it is, and I'm never too busy. Yeah, I always to, tell people when they say that, I say, you're the purpose of my right. work. So I'm never too busy. Mm-hmm. Because my boss will have an issue if I'm not doing my work right. and, and taking care mm-hmm. of you and, mm-hmm. and solving those challenges mm-hmm. or helping you. Right. Right. It, it, so absolutely. Yeah. But, but you're right. It's again, it's that conflict, that constant conflict mm-hmm. that 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 good leaders like yourself struggle with. Like I, I want to maximize mm-hmm. every moment. Mm-hmm. And it's 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 challenging. And so how let me ask you this. So Again, all those experiences mm-hmm. that, that, that have come with, with time and, and opportunity, what would you tell your soldiers, your junior leaders, or what, what insights would you provide to that person who's looking and saying, well, I, I don't know. I mean, how it's a, it's, you're asking a lot of me. Mm-hmm. There's a huge investment. I'm mm-hmm. looking forward, and I'm not sure what I should or shouldn't be doing to make the right choices. What, what would you offer some insights as you look back? Mm-hmm. And in particular, uh, you know, a, a, as a woman uh, and some of the challenges and mm-hmm. thankfully times are a little bit different sure. today, right? I mean, we're, we're smarter than we were, but, but some of those things that you had to fight through, mm-hmm. what would you offer to some of those folks? Just- so, um, so let me start with uh, my experience as a second lieutenant. Uh, so I was in fourth ID which in 1999... Uh, you didn't have to give the year. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't going to ask the year. <laughs> no, it's okay. <laughs> um, that it, we were doing the Force 21. Right. So what that, mean to the, what that meant to the organization is they took the support roles out of the combat arms units and put them into the forward support battalion, specifically the forward support companies. Right. So... I am a maintenance, I have a maintenance background, that's, was, that's my passion, and so I fought to get into 4th ID and be a BMO for an armored battalion. You fought for that position? I did, and it was one Good of the on best you. positions. I really? love it. I loved it. So I was the, the battalion maintenance officer for 366 Armor um, in 1st Brigade. So, uh, but what, what, I just wanted to do maintenance. But what I didn't understand is the dynamics of the the male-female 
because there wasn't that many females there. And I was the first, I was the first armor BMO in the army just because of the way we had transitioned. Um, I, two people in my mind stood out and that took me under their wing and started mentoring me was a good CW3 and a Sergeant First Class. So I had CW3 Kellum and Sergeant First Class Raypool who took me under their wing and showed me what that looked like. And so um, what I say for that, even though sometimes you have the, the sometimes there's the gender um, uh, challenges but that doesn't mean I needed another female to come alongside of right. me. I just needed somebody to tell me what right looked like. Needed caring and leaders. I did need caring. I did need I, I probably a, a lot of attention. <laughs> well, caring, caring can also be tough, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah, you can yeah, be a, yeah. a tough but caring leader yeah. as well. And, so, and then the other two points I would make to your question is that... Um, one I would say is is you may not always like the job you have or the boss you have or the people that you have working for you. But this organization has been around for 400 years and will continue to move forward. And so all you have to do is really wait. Just wait just for a little bit. Do the best you can. Be the most professional, competent that you can at that job. And then things will change. Something will change. You will move positions. Your boss will move positions. Something changes. Um, and so again, you know, kind of look for those mentors, look for those good right. leaders. Um, but what they can never take away from you and I is, is your competency, right? Um, things change in this organization. The environment changes, especially what we've seen recently. We have to be adaptable, flexible. We have to, again, focus on the people as leaders. Um, but from a, from a what can I do right now perspective is that you do the best job that you can in the job that you are, have the passion for the organization, your responsibilities, the soldiers that you're taking care of, that way, you know, they, they will see that. And if it's not the perfect environment, it'll change. And I've had, I've had great experiences and I've had less than great experiences. I've had really, I've had people that have taken care of me that were awesome bosses. And then I've had times where waking up to go to work in the morning gave me a bit of anxiety. So, um, you know, I, I would say if it, you kind of stay the course sometimes um, if you want to do this as a career. And even then, even if you don't know if you want to do this for a career. You just keep, you just keep, you know, keep, keep rowing and, and be exceptional at what you are at that moment, whether it's operations or logistics or admin or whatever that looks like, just be exceptional at what you are and be passionate about it. And people will see that, you know, that shines through. And then when you look down and you take care of people and you pull them up with you, it, 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 it is the reason that our organization has been able to do what we have done in the past year is because we are those people. And I would say we have exceptional, yeah. especially my, in my opinion, excluding me, exceptional O6s in this organization that really are able to lead this organization. You know, I think, uh, and so of course, as I've mentioned earlier, we've known each other. So I've watched you and, and what has always been interesting for, for great leaders, and it, this applies to you as well, you, you, by being focused on taking care of those around you and your soldiers, they never let you fail. Mm, right. Like they, they will, they just, because 
they know you are invested in them and right. I've watched you, you're invested in your soldiers and you're willing to get in there and, and right. duke it out when <laughs> someone's not taking mm-hmm. care of them. But uh, your soldiers see that. Mm-hmm. They understand. They may not know that you know leader. That's what leadership is. They they may not put the art and science right. and, and really put definitions to it, but they know you care. Right. They feel it, and so when they see something coming your way or coming mm-hmm. that they can deal with, mm-hmm. they just they just step into the breach, so mm-hmm. to speak, and and they get after it. Mm-hmm. And I think that's again, it comes down to when you very at the very beginning, you mentioned two people that you still remember mm-hmm, these years later and the impact that those leaders had on you mm-hmm. and they were both subordinate to you. So mm-hmm. it's not right. about rank and gender, but it is about understanding people's perspective, like right. you said. And, and, and I want to, I want to ask you real quick uh, about that because 1800 people from now, again, they're not all, so unlike if you were still at, at a Fort Hood or a Fort Carson where you're all living in the, the same mm-hmm. community, right? Mm-hmm. Kind of a homo- mm-hmm. over time you become this homogenous mm-hmm. group of people. But in your case, you have people from all over the state of right. Texas and, and North Texas is not the same as Southern right. Texas. And so how do you deal with that? And, and what are some of those unique challenges that, uh, or maybe a challenge that surprised you? Well, um, we are spread out from I have units in San Antonio, um, El Paso, the Dallas-Fort Worth area, New Boston, which is you know kind of working towards East Texas. Um, so I was spread out all over the place. So what what my realization and my comfort level has to be that I am relying on my subordinates, that I'm sending the right messages and that I'm saying the right things, that I am repeatable that they are they can take the messages I take the messages that my C, my simple messages that my CG puts to us and I repeat them and repeat them and repeat them and I send them down That's great and and and, uh, and and so then then I have to rely and so I think this goes to personality and how what your leadership style is um, but I'm all invested in mission command I believe if I create a positive command climate and I send the right messages down, I now have to trust my leaders below me. And they may need some course correction along the way. And I have, I've, you know, I have a battalion commander that is that is out in front, keeps me informed of everything. And then I have another battalion commander that I kind of have to like, maybe pull along a little bit, but you're always going to have those, sure. right? Sure. And so you have to understand what kind of leadership each one of those needs. But I can't do it myself. And I have, to your point of trusting your staff below you, I have a fantastic, loyal, in a good way, loyal staff that does keep me out of trouble. And I trust them implicitly. Like they are just, they can, they, they are, are, you know, plan my training for me and keep me informed and then, and then say, ma'am, I need a decision from you and here's my courses of action. And so, uh, I, I'm I'm I am in a very fortunate um, environment there that I have great command teams, um, but then I also have to really reach down to those company command teams. And this hasn't and I don't want to I don't want to paint um, you know rainbows and, and sunshine everywhere. I've had to deal with uh, sexual harassment, sexual assault claims, um, bad behavior. Um, but y- you will have those experiences in command regardless of where you're at. So, so what do you do with that? Is that you don't, un- you understand that it is not in your decision space 
You have no decision space when you have a SARC uh, complaint, a sexual assault complaint. You do everything that you are supposed to do down to the letter and so that that makes that survivor understand that the command cares, that we hold people accountable, and that we take action, swift action. Um, so it, it insti- so that's, that's, it's taking care of people, but when you have these bad actors, um, that you do hold people accountable for their, for, for, for their mistakes. And then you have to look at, um, you know, maybe you don't crush somebody's career, but maybe you get them on, you maybe get, you get them back on a, on a path, but you have to look at, again, you have to look at the totality of the person and the career and the profession of each one of those in each one of the aspects and then but but when you have to make the hard decisions um, I've made some hard decisions that you know right wrong or indifferent that was the decision I made uh, I would you know offer it, it at any command level is that you always keep your you keep your advisors close to you. you you keep you keep a pulse on that command climate and then you keep your advisors close to you because they're in any organization there there may be people that make mistakes um, and so, but you have to deal with those so that, so that you have the, so that you, you're, you're fostering that trust inside your organization and that you, and that you can't okay. say enough that you treat people with dignity and respect. Absolutely. You, you, I mean, just, it's gotta be this constant conversation. I'll tell you what, you, you, you mentioned a lot of things. You talked about loyalty, trust, messaging, communication, mm-hmm. uh, making and standing behind your hard decisions you know mm-hmm. being being accountable to yourself holding others accountable uh all the things that that again when when we're lieutenants <laughs> or when we're sergeants mm-hmm. and you go through some pme and it's it's more about the the science of it right okay here's a formula someone does this right and as you mm-hmm. as you've taken those experiences and it, it's become more art right. what you what you talked about is mm-hmm. sometimes you gotta maybe you, you you're more compassionate or less compassionate right. so that's that's amazing well i gotta tell you so i appreciate we appreciate your time i one last thing that i'd ask you uh to share uh, and aside from any closing thoughts but if you could go back and talk to yourself maybe as mm-hmm. as you were preparing to take company command what advice would you go back and tell a young uh captain that was getting ready what would you say to her? I, um, what I've realized through command, especially coming up through um, the levels of command, is that I don't think I understood at company command how many people were watching me. And so as a company commander, you, you tend to be a little bit more emotional, or passionate about things in your decision making. You're Very black down and white. There. Yeah, and you're Crush down, them all. Yeah, you're down there with the <laughs> troops. So what I would say is that, you know, as a as a company commander, um, one, I I think I relied on my NCOs, um, but I don't know if I fully understood how to really use my first sergeant as oh, so so I kind of was relying on my readiness NCO to give me information and some maybe some, some uh, the, the E5s and things like that. And I was taking a lot of information in from a lot of places. Um, but I don't know if I was utilizing my first sergeant to the full um, potential, uh, right? And, and so that's, that's one thing is, the, is, the, is understanding what that first sergeant can do for you. And I think, you know, 
looking across the force now and all the courses that we have and what we do, especially inside of Texas, is we have company command team courses, we have battalion command team courses, we have OIC courses. So I think we're doing a lot more of the training um, for that. Uh, so I think that 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 would have that would have been um, one thing. And I was I, I had an armory all by myself as a company commander. So that was you know that. That allowed me to kind of roll my own um, my my own house there, yeah. so it was a, a great uh, great experience. Um, but then two other things: being responsive to the battalion. I don't think at some times I was kind of like maybe somewhat nonchalant about oh you need that okay I'll get it to you when I because I was off there on my own island, um, and so I, I would say that. Um, but going back to the first point. And I think it is the most important thing in um, commands or um, you, w looking at us. We, we watch general officers. People watch us. They look at us. They watch what we say. Um, when I was in, and you know, where this really came into, to, you know, I had this great realization. When I was a battalion commander, I would often hear, well, the BC said. And I would say, which BC? Because I didn't say that. Right. <laughs> or maybe I said something, somebody took it out of context. So when you speak, you know, in, in, a, in a public forum or where, you know, any, you know, around your, uh, around your subordinates or even your peers, that you're, you're cognizant of what you're saying and you mean what you say. And that people say words have meaning. Words have meaning, and so you may you want to be Absolutely. deliberate about your about your communications. And at the company command, I think it's a little bit more, you know, forgivable maybe. But as your battalion commander, especially a brigade commander, you 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 have to have that awareness of of of, of what you're saying and who your audience is. I think that's great because it it I'll tell you. So they are watching, mm -hmm. and so people will start to kind of get a sense of who you are. Mm -hmm. And so those things that, that you might not have said are either really believable because mm -hmm. they match your actions, right. or people will say, I just don't believe she said that mm -hmm. because that's not who mm -hmm. I've mm -hmm. seen. I got to I got to tell you thank you. This mm -hmm. has been uh, this has been great. I Good. appreciate your time. Uh, I, you know, I, I just I think our soldiers uh, and our family members are worth the investment. So mm -hmm. we certainly appreciate it. And uh, we'd love to have you back sometime. Maybe we'll come down and visit yeah, you, you in come, Texas. Come down to Texas anytime you it's want. It's not I'll, that far of a drive. I'll put a big tea patch behind us. There you go. <laughs> well, again, thank you very much well, for being thanks here. Thanks for with having us. me. It's been an honor, and I, I, I have a passion for, for leadership and sharing uh, with people. So I, I really appreciate this opportunity. Awesome. Well, thank you. Thanks.